Hello and welcome to Stringer Podcast number 25. That's 25 of these now. A quarter of a hundred of the podcast. Who better to bring it in than Matt Shooter Shinetti from TSN at TSN Shinetti, S-C-I-A-N-I-T-T-I on Twitter and at TSN underscore Shinetti, still S-C-I-A-N-I-T-T-I on Instagram. Matt and I have been friends for a couple of years now, worked on a few projects, including a DeMar DeRozan essay that he wrote and produced, and it was absolutely fantastic, as well as we ended up in Mexico, Monterey, Mexico together uh, for CONCACAF soccer. And here we are in this archaic stadium, surrounded by like 40, 50, 60,000 screaming, cheering Monterey fans, and us at a fr- in front row basically getting to watch this spectacle take place. He's a good dude, and we had a great chat, and it was awesome to have him in. But before we get to it, let's see what's going on this weekend. Another stringer big week. Every weekend's a stringer big weekend. I don't know why I say another one. Starting Friday night, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom opens anywhere, everywhere, on all the screens, the window screen, the sunscreen, on every single screen. It's been three years since Theme Park and Luxury Resort Jurassic World was destroyed by dinosaurs out of containment. Ila Nublar announced it's abandoned by humans while the surviving dinosaurs fend for themselves in the jungle. When the island's dormant volcano begins roaring to life, sounds a little bit like Hawaii, no? Owen and Claire, Chris Pratt, and Bryce Dallas Howard mount a campaign to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from this extinction-level event. I don't know, you've probably heard me tell the story like a thousand times, but Jurassic Park has been this massive part of my life. It is one of those events in like 94, whenever it came out, that completely changed my opinion on filmmaking and films and totally got me interested in it. So every time one comes out, you better believe I'm going to be there opening night, and so should you. Saturday night, the Arkells, Tim Hortons Field on Hamilton, Ontario. The Arkells officially invite you, officially. Your invitation got lost in the mail, but they officially invite you to the rally, an evening of song and dance to kick off the summer. The Arkells come home to play their only show in the area this summer, this time in their own backyard. They've recruited some of their favorite acts to help out for the occasion. The legendary Cold War Kids, one of LA's finest rock and roll bands, their friend Bishop Briggs, and Elevator, a hot new band from Hamilton. You want to get tickets for this? I'll tell you how you can get tickets to this. Open up your little lappy top, flip it open your phone, and go to seatgiant.ca and just type in the Arkells in the search field and you'll find great tickets still available for the show at an affordable price. If that wasn't good enough, if you just type in promo code STRINGER, you're going to get even more of a discount and you're going to get to see the Arkells for even cheaper and I promise they're not going to feel the hit out of pocket. Seat Giant is going to absorb that. That's right. So Max, Max, you're good. I want to say they're good friends of the show because two thirds of the Mike on Much podcast, you guys know we're on Mike and Shane. Max is the third part. Max is also the lead singer of the Arkells. He was also the roommate of an editor I worked with. So all a big loving. Check out the Arkells on Saturday night in Hamilton. Sunday, it's the Toronto Pride Parade. It only comes once a year, so make sure you're there. The 38th annual, it's older than me, the 38th annual Pride Parade is happening June 24th at 2 p.m. from the corner of Church Street and Bloor Street all the way down Young Street to Young and Dundas Square. There's expected to be a crowd of over 1 million festival goers and many more watching from home. So make sure you're not watching from home and you're one of the people there displaying many forms of art direction, costume design, choreography, music, and special effects because Colorful, be creative, go big, have fun. That's right, Pride Parade on Sunday. And you know what? You don't like your ideas? I completely understand if you don't like our ideas. But if you want to do your own thing, I still suggest going to SeatGiant.com or SeatGiant.ca. Just type something in. You can get tickets to sporting events, music festivals, concerts, other things going on around the city. And by using promo code STRINGER, you'll get a pretty little discount on whatever your heart may desire. All right. I've done enough talking. My voice is worn out. Thank goodness we already recorded the podcast. Matt Shooter Shinetti coming up right after this, but for the 25th time, we get to hear the sax. Can't wait. Like intermittent and interactive. That was when I was into the um, Our Lady Peace. Yeah, I had a I had a Big Shiny Tunes. Which one? Big Shiny Tunes one. 
one. The one was great. One, two, one was two great. is the biggest seller. Really? Yeah, two is the who's biggest on, seller by far. Uh, who's on Big Shiny Tunes? Let me see if I can remember. There was Marilyn Manson, I believe, had a had. I don't think it was Beautiful People. Song two was on there. Song two, yeah, it was on there. Okay. Foo Fighters had a song on there. I think it was My Hero. Uh, Big Shiny, come on, Dill. Let's go. The early, the, the, you the, got you the, got the computer, man. The mid, uh, those mid nineties, eh? It was an interesting change. An interesting change. Uh, from if we look back now, like especially with so many eighties trends coming back out. Jesus, you know what? I was. It's funny. I I um, I just got a pair of Paul George ones. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> and they look like they belonged in the shoe closet of Family Matters. Really? Yeah, it's the or that's or, who now who on Family Matters whose shoe closet were they in? Were they in Steve's? Were they in? They weren't in Urkel's. They were, yeah, they were. They were in Urkel's. <laughs> or 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 you know what? Actually, look, the, the they they were. You could Laura also, was the daughter. I think is that yeah. right? Fam, family Matters. Now the question is, what 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 show is that a spinoff of? Ooh, yeah. This is more of an '80s reference than a '90s reference. And and what? Dylan can fact check if I'm I'm, I'm if you're wrong. If Family wrong. Matters was a spinoff, so it was a hundred percent a spinoff. Hundred percent a spinoff, which 100%. means one of the characters was in a different show, yes. right? And then he got his own. Yes, is the character the father, the police officer? Oh yes, Carl. Thank yes. you. And was what would he be on previously? It's set in. I'll give you one clue. It was set in Chicago. What? It's not going to help me. I'm sorry. Chicago. I'm a kid at Dylan, the time. How do I know? Does Dylan know? Does Dylan know? Does Dylan, do you have it already? I've looked it up, yeah. You've looked it up? So you, you give me another hint? Let's just tease me out as much as I can. Let's, let's, let's game show the shit out of this. Are we allowed to swear with you here? You can swear with me. Well, listen, all, all you need to know is I have a book on my shelf that says this fucking book. <laughs> so, no, no, no. so 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 all you all you need to know is I as I to my detriment but not on live TV yet thank goodness not on, no like not I'm on live TV but I'm just get know, away from I'm, the question you you, you got to answer this okay I will tease it out Dill give me a hint I, I don't know how much to tease this out uh, well how many words in the title like come on let's hangman the shit out of this two two words in the, okay that doesn't help me at all <laughs> sorry can I give you okay well if I give you the name of a character you'll get it right away. I might not because there's, there, 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 this was an but iconic '80s character. This was an iconic '80s sitcom character. Was he a doctor? No. Right. Okay. I'll give you one. I'll give you one clue. Okay. Foreign country. Doesn't help me at all. Jeez. Sorry. Balky. No. Perfect Strangers. No. You never watched Perfect I ne- Strangers. I never, see, this is how am I supposed to get a clue to something I never Perfect watched? Perfect Strangers. How am I supposed to get a clue oh to something I never... So God. what was... Give me the elevator pitch of Perfect Strangers. I never heard of it. And Carl Winslow was on it, which is awesome. It means yes. I'm going to go back and watch the of back course. catalog. Absolutely. Because I love Carl. I thought he was a great character. That's He's why he got his own show. Uh, Perfect Strangers. How could you not love a show based upon a, a down-in-his-luck salesman, I think, in Chicago, whose cousin, from what I imagine is a fictional part of Greece happens to be the most like flamboyant, ridiculous, clueless. And he just like, and he speaks in the most like what, t- what today people would consider like a very inappropriate accent. <laughs> and, and not politically not correct, politically at, correct all. at all. And they like, he like, he's got to help his cousin not blow up Chicago every week. It's amazing. That is, I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch perfect strangers. Dylan, you were no help at all, by the way. Yeah. You know, I, I love having you around. But you could have really, really did. No, I was never going to get it. Production. Well, like, you know, I, I could have bought vowels and I still wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> How much? It's interesting. So we grew up roughly around the same time period. Like you uh, have those yes. those young years in the eighties, and right. then, but you do most of your growing in the nineties. How much has the time period we grew up in right. really formed your identity? Yeah, I think you know the. the I as you wear a great pair of chucks in front of me. Well, I mean, I'm sure if you want an entire, if you want me to waste the entire hour going on about my shoes, I, mean, I will. If you go on about shoes, I'll go on about hats, and we're good to go. <laughs> I changed my hat between when you walked in and when you sat down, just so you know. I put on a Yankees. That hat. was so, 
Well, that was subtle. I couldn't. Mm. I didn't notice that. I just wasn't feeling. Yeah. I didn't have the right vibe. I needed. I needed my Yankee yeah, hat. But vibe. yeah. But the thing is, hats are cheaper than shoes, yeah, especially because these are custom made ones. These cost me like a, a lot of money. A lot of money. You know what? It's funny. My my. Um, I was at the mall with my girlfriend recently, and um, we were walking around, and she's looking at shoes, like casual shoes, and she says to me, "So." can we at least have the conversation about like other casual shoes? <laughs> and through gritted teeth, I was like, maybe. Does she pull one of these where, because I did, you know, I have a very particular wardrobe. Right. I like to classify it as not very good. And most people that I date agree with me. But th- instead of telling me to buy something else, right. they're really nice. And they say, so this this event we're going to on the weekend, what kind of outfit would you wear? Would you wear? And I'm like, oh, this is a trap. I get this now. I'm like, well, I wouldn't wear a hat. <laughs> and you look for the nod and you're like, I would probably wear white sneakers. It's like and reverse get, 20 questions. Exactly. You get a little <laughs> bit more of a nod. Well, and, and you know, it's funny. So for me, it was uh, for those who been inside my condo you you, see, you walk in and there's those of us lucky enough most, <laughs> says you says me uh, who so, hasn't been inside your condo <laughs> not lucky enough yet um so you walk in and my dad who is like the typical handyman italian father devised this corkboard wall where you basically there's dowels and you put the shoes on and you hang them on the wall and i have one two three four wall units like that because my I, floor space for ch- sixty chucks, you know, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be living on in my apartment. They'd be consumed by my shoes, and then that's more of a symptom than a hobby. Yeah, you start tying the laces, hanging it from strings. Again, more of a symptom than a hobby. <laughs> so my my girlfriend, when she first came into my my condo, looked at the shoes, and she's like, oh. And then after a while, one wall unit, two, three, four, and she's very the most polite way said. So, do you have any other pairs of shoes? Exactly. The question. And then the adventure to the uh, department store on the weekend ended with her, uh, after looking at different pairs of shoes, and I kept going back to high tops. She's like, you know, you keep going back to high tops. And I'm like, I know. And she goes, am I annoying yet? I'm just like, just a little. Uh, a bit. Just a bit. We're playing a bit. But yeah, going back to your question about... You know, I, I, I think the 90s kind of shape the 90s. You know, it's, it's funny. We were lucky enough. I don't, I don't know how old Dylan is. Dylan was born in the 90s. Dylan was born in the 90s. He was born, so he did all his growing. So like, last in year. the 80s, we, we kind of, <laughs> so like I'm old enough and I guess young enough. Like I had an Atari 2600. Ooh. So I had, you know, Centipede. I had Dr. J versus Larry Bird, which is the greatest basketball game ever. You could break the backboard with Larry Bird. NBA Jam 93, but okay. Um, cool. And I remember that, and I remember dial-up, the early modems. iterations of like dial-up modems. I l- remember living in a time where nobody had a cell phone, or like right. cell phones came in this like DEFCON 4 like case where if you put it too close to your head, you might get brain cancer. <laughs> My dad had a cell phone, like or a mobile phone. Yeah. They were not cellular. They were mobile phones that kind of looked like a lunchbox. Yeah. And you kind of, you picked up the top part, but it had a base right. that you carried around with it as well. And it somehow latched together. Oh, I remember but, the batteries. The batteries you had to put, like you would like disengage the phone from the battery so the battery <laughs> could be put in that like pod and sit there like the look like the pod from aliens. But I tell my sister all the time, it's like you, my sister was born in the early nineties and when she kind of came of age and, you know, kind of understood the world around her, I mean so many things change so quickly. Like yeah. so many things change so fast. And like, even now, you know, I'm have to, you know, obviously on, on TV, but have to be aware kind of what's going on in different mediums. Like stuff moves quickly. Like if you don't, you, you, sh- you could break your neck with how fast shit goes in, in, in the media business. And it's, it's something that I think has kind of been, you know, for my career has been kind of funny because like I went from, you know, writing newspapers and wanted to be just a, a magazine writer to having to like change really quickly. And it's funny. Some it's, I have this conversation when I, when young, uh, sprites, when, young sprites, young media, whatever, Those professionals, uh, when they come up to me and they ask me, you know, how I got into 
you know, being on television, I, I tell them that I never wanted to be on TV. <laughs> I wanted to be a writer and here I am. But it's funny, like I'm always aware of, you know, whether the time period or, you know, the, in my case, the different mediums, like just how fast things can change and how you have to be able to kind of keep your head on a swivel because you know this, Clayton, because you work your butt off in this industry, but things move so fast. And if you get stuck in like, if you get stuck somewhere and yeah, you'll be left behind real quick. Uh, Matt Shinetti on the podcast. I'm terrible at introductions. Introductions. Wow. <laughs> That's, we're only 10 minutes I, in. I love, I love the sh- soft start, but as soon as you were talking about, you know, the work here and how you got into it, I was like, oh yeah, shit. Matt's on the podcast. <laughs> Matt or Matthew? What do you prefer? You know, it's funny. My parents will refuse to call me Matt. They will call me Matthew. Matthew. It's like, that's what the name is on your birth certificate. So that we're calling you Matthew. I, I guess I've, I've just come become kind of acceptant. To, uh, I accept Matt, but it's funny at TSN, nobody calls me Matt or Matthew. Everybody calls me Shooter. Oh, Shooter. Shooter Shinetti. Which is like the reason behind that is so stupid because I phonetically spelt out my name because Italians, especially when the SCI and yeah. it, Italian is sh- but every, everyone gives me sc- Skianti, Skynetti, and oh, Cincinnati. Wow. But I phonetically spelt it out S H H N E T T E, which would be Shnetti, yeah. so that on teleprompters, you know, God bless her, Jennifer Hedger or Dare Detition wouldn't be like, and in my first couple months, Matthew Ski. But then that. Sasuke Nutelli. There's a lot of vowels in there. But it. Just came down. They they saw the SHH and everybody just started calling shooter. me shooter, <laughs> which is it literally you know you were just watching a video with Tessa Bonome and we were, I was doing a hit with Tessa Bonome yesterday and she just she just said thanks shooter like at, at the very end of the video. So I mean that's it's pretty much yeah I've I've never really been one that says absolutely like my name is this. I've never been that kind of person. Like even when people mess up my last name, I'm just kind of like, meh, it's cool. I've heard it my whole life. If you, you can call me anything but a mean name and it'll usually turn my head. <laughs> Don't call me I a re- jackass. I remember I once, I asked Michael Bradley and I said, is it Mike? Or we were, I don't know, a couple of weeks in. Uh, He's a Michael. At, this is what he said to me. Is it Mike or Michael? He's like, well, when I grew up, he was pretty good about it. He's like, when I grew up, you know, my parents, my family, everyone called me Michael. And then I started dating Amanda, who's now my wife, and she calls me Mike, but everyone else calls me Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's definitely a he's definitely yeah. a Michael. I thought it was a really nice way of handling it, where it was like you might hear Mike thrown around right. by my wife. If you're not her, <laughs> it's Michael. <laughs> no, I've never you know, it's funny, I've never been I've never been that uh that guy. I just there are certain things I think that I'm I guess rigid and strict about. I don't know why my name isn't one of them, but I guess it's just because <laughs> it's uh, I've I've heard most people don't even call him by my first name. Like beyond the fact shooter, everyone calls me Shinetti anyway. Yeah. Like my you know, I've my best friends call me Shinetti, my girlfriend calls me Shinetti. Like it's it's just it's just been the way it is, and I honestly sometimes I forget what my first name is. <laughs> sometimes I forget what my phone number is. Once we got out of like talking about the cell phone age, right. and the fact that we came up in this age and we watched it all develop in front of us. I was the guy when I was young where my friends sometimes would call me and be like, "Hey, do you have so and so's phone?" Because I knew them all. I yeah. knew all the numbers in my head. You always knew your home phone number because it was a landline. Mm. In which sometimes you had to call. Right. Hey, mom, what's going on? I'm going to be home late, or I have to go to practice after school, or whatever it is. Some I'm asked to write down my phone number, and the first three digits of mine is 905, and my mind gaps every time. I'm like, oh shit, what is it? Well, the one thing that most people don't know about me is I have I have fantastic short term memory. Like I well, remember every like I guess for the purpose of my job. Long term memory. So my dad when I, when I was younger, my first cell phone ended in one, two, three, four. Because <laughs> he was afraid that I forget it. And and to you know, not a cell phone number, but my sister, my sister spells her name like not the that the I guess the cliched or typical A S H L E Y. Mm-hmm. She spells it Ashley A S H L E I G H. Right. So even now, I'm 32 years old. My sister, I, she's 26 now. Every time I'm, I have to write, write out A S H 
L E I G H. Yeah, yeah, you gotta think the E. Take a B. No, you be like, catch my breath. Yeah, this is, it's the E becomes comes from the I. Okay. 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 One of the things that I had to get used to, I remember, I well, first of all, was the switch to the Blackberry. Right. And I remember how much that threw me off because I was hardcore Nokia guy. Like, Nokia till I die. I remember the switch to Blackberry and I thought at the moment that we were at the peak of where we're going to head. Like, I'm like, this is it. This might be the last phone I ever buy. How long ago was that, Clayton? <laughs> things <laughs> things happen. For, wow, we're really keeping on this, like, don't mess around. Wait, things happen fast. Yeah, they we, change. We talk about not dragging our heels in the industry uh, because things happen so quick. I'm like, I got the side roller Blackberry oh, where the roller's on the side, and it also doubled as, like, an action button. And I remember thinking, this this can do everything. This might be the last cell phone I ever buy and, and that then, was 15 years and ago. And then a year later I bought another Blackberry oh. and then a year later I bought another Blackberry and then I moved all to Apple. But it's wild to think like when I see a, a two-year-old sitting there whatever in the car and they're navigating through an iPad. Right. It's not that I can't navigate through an iPad because I can. Don't worry. But it blows my mind that this is th- because of how much things have changed. Mm. And as to your point the fact that we've seen both sides of the line yeah, the whole. I don't think we're actually after the technological, or or in the technological revolution. I think we were born after it. Right. But everything, everything, just you know, yeah. I have the PVR still blows my mind. The fact that now I don't have to put the VHS. I sound so old. I don't have to put the VHS in and set the timer, which to me was what I did as a kid, so I could watch my favorite. I record games as a kid all the time. You know, the funny thing about like, and I was talking to some of my friends about this, like technology and the way that we process stuff. Now we're going to get to like Marshall McLuhan stuff, you know, bring it. The medium is the message comes. Kind of <laughs> um, but it's, but isn't it first of all, well, you know, hot and cold media. I mean, if you want to put your, we can put the stringer podcast listeners to sleep because I can pull everything I learned in second year media studies. Cause I, see how I, much of it applies. Clayton, I, I, it was funny. This is going on a total different tangent. I was doing an event at Ryerson and I did go to my grad studies at Ryerson, but they called me up and introduced me and they were doing like this going through my CV. And they said, uh, Matthew Shenney graduated from York university with a degree in science, business and technical writing. And I got up and I was like, I did. <laughs> yeah. I was Thank like, you. I was like, wow. It's a Tuesday and I get a free degree. No. It's one of those honorary degrees. I think they gave Trump something very similar in the States. Oh, yeah. It's just because you mean so much to us in the city of Toronto. Oh, yeah. That well, they're just handing things out to you. But speaking of which, I mean, going back to York Media Studies, um, you know, it's <laughs> the fact of the matter is, and I know you have a, a lot of people in the industry on, on this podcast, but, you know, part of what our job is, is we have to constantly be aware of the things around us and kind of adapt and it's there's a lot of pressure for those coming into the business because you 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 tend to think that you have to always be looking so many steps ahead but i would argue that it's better that if you show willingness to get out of your comfort zone you try different things when i went on when i started TSN in 2013 i wrote out like a whole manual of how to be on television mm-hmm. because i like Full disclosure, when I was working at the National Post as a sports writer, I didn't watch TV. I didn't watch Sports Center. I didn't watch, like, obviously, I watched sports on TV because, you know, that's what I was reporting on. But I wasn't, wasn't consumed with things like aspect ratio or, like, what codec they were using, mm-hmm. when they, what they were filming on. Like, I wasn't, like, I didn't know that stuff. I didn't know about anything about white balance. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people that are, you know, colleagues of mine in the, in the writing industry who didn't take that opportunity because they, they, they didn't want to get outside their comfort zone. And because we grew up in this, this time where things change so rapidly, particularly in our business, if you're not willing to step outside your comfort zone and see what your threshold is all the time, mm-hmm. um, then you're not going to be successful. I mean, I know and I have heard your podcast before and I know people have come on and they've talked about collaborating and working in, you know, environments with people and being open to new ideas. Mine is, Hey, I always tell young journalists, what's your threshold for pain? Because things change all the time. I don't mean pain is in like, ow, I mean like how much are you willing to push yourself 
to try something different. And this is coming from a guy where if you look my name up on YouTube, Matthew Shinetti, I I blew a live hit in my first six months at TSN. Like bad. Like the line was, I was in Pittsburgh covering the Penguins and the Leafs. And the line I had, if I remember correctly, was because I used to memorize my scripts. So mm-hmm. everything I wrote, I memorized it to like, so it'd be right here the whole time. Something like the Leafs have a test against the best in the East. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, obsessing over like getting that line right getting that line right it was one of my first live hits for on sports center top of the clock six o'clock at night it's one of the most watched shows at 6 p.m in canada and the line came out the least another another test against the best in the uh, and like my 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 like i i don't have to watch the video because i lived it And hey, hey, Matt, you remember that time? Do you remember that time? It's on YouTube. Do you remember that time? You're like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, I do. And, and, I do. Yeah, I do. And especially Thank when my you. dad came up to me a few years ago and he's like, you know, I watched that. You you screw up that live hit again and again. I don't think it was that bad. I was like, why are you watching that again and again? But the, the, uh, the funny thing about that situation was like when you screw up a live hit, it's like jumping out of a plane without a parachute and you're like staring at the camera you're like, uh... And that could have been the moment I just said, I can't do this. Like, I'm not meant for TV. But the one thing that I think, at least for my career, that's defined my career is I'm just like, I haven't reached my limit yet. I'm going to... I'm going to see what my threshold is and, and live TV now is my favorite thing to do. Like, I love live broadcasts. Like, I, I absolutely love being in different environments and being live. I mean, I have to prepare. I'm not going to go out and just wing it. No. But... <laughs> That's that goes back to my point. Like I had no idea. I didn't grow up wanting to be on TV, and and then I just took the opportunity. And notwithstanding hiccups along the way, like it's been, it's been worthwhile. And you know, you and I have worked on features together, and we worked on a, an essay with Demar Derozan. And dude, I had no idea about lenses, cameras, directing, producing. But for me, it was I need to learn it. Like I need to be able to adapt. I want to be able to do different things because I don't want to be craning my neck the other way, watching, you know, my industry pass me by or watch other people pass me by because I'm too stubborn to be like, you know what? I want to try something different. It's interesting that you brought up a notebook because you see, I have a, I I was, you know, that's why exactly I brought it up because I was looking at those notebooks. So in there, I remember when I was, because I entered the industry as a writer as well, but I was a reporter first and I remember being asked, how do you feel about it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Because right away, especially when you're freelance and you're trying to get all the work you can, just pay the bills because you don't want to like moonlight as a barista or something. And in there, I remember I sat down and I was fortunate enough to work beside one person. So when I took the job at Maple Leaf Source Entertainment, I had to work with Michael Ulmer who I had been reading his stuff since I was a kid, as he was a Sunwriter. And then I, 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 one of the reasons why I took the job was because I just wanted to learn from him. Yeah. I just wanted to talk to him and, and hear from his, his experiences and learn. And then I ought to then work beside Paul Hendrick, who had been in the game. Penny, yeah. I don't want to say forever because that's mean, but I had watched him from CHCH all, all the way up. So in one of those notebooks is pages and pages and pages of watching him interview people. And I'd set it up. I'm like, after a win, you know, goal scorer, right? And then the questions he asked. After a win, goalie. After a win, coach. After a third period breakdown, or like like the team broke down in the third period and lost, you know, goalie. And all his questions and all I did was try to understand his mind. Right. You know, what in what circumstances did he break? What how do you take a team that's on a losing streak and still cover them day in, day out? And then when I was about to make the jump to go into directing, in there as well, HBO twenty four seven. I have time codes. Right. And and I have like a story breakdown, and then I have time codes. I have music breakdowns. I have shot breakdowns. I have how long each segment is. I you I just you go through it religiously because at least for me, I feared not being prepared. That is the one thing I like to think about myself, and I know because we've worked together. And Alex Anthony, who's another excellent, uh, so talented DOP. Oh my goodness! People don't understand, and it sounds so boring, but preparation 
means everything. And it, and, and in my, and how I operate, cause I do a lot of live broadcasts and do a lot of sideline work, but it's funny just to go back to your point about watching, you know, I've watched Paul Hendrick too. And listen, I wasn't the biggest hockey fan growing up, but I've worked alongside Henny when I was covering the Leafs. And the one thing that I loved watching him is he always had the manila envelope all the questions on his, he would have manila envelopes and have questions written on him. And I'd watch him and, and, and he's, he's a veteran and a pro, but I always say to young journalists, young media professionals, people, to, people looking to break into the industry. And I can tell I'm very accepting and want, you know, want always to help people, but I'm also brutally honest. And I can tell when I'm interacting with somebody, if they're interested in the industry, I can tell within a minute or two, whether or not they're going to have a career. And one question I always do, it's a little game I play for the pleasure of only myself and not them, <laughs> but I ask them, who are you watching? Who are you reading? Mm-hmm. Who are you obsessing over? For me, it was always, it was a big, I'm a big Tom Rinaldi fan. He works for ESPN. Big Tom Rinaldi fan because just the preparation, he's, mm-hmm. he doesn't carry around notes when he's interviewing. It's like everything is in his head and that's how I like to approach things, which is you should always be a better listener mm-hmm. than sometimes a better speaker. But it, for me, preparation is so key because you don't know what's going to happen in a moment. It, and as much as I have my own notebooks full of stuff, the one, the one great thing going back to me blowing the live hit and the other <laughs> mistakes I've made is like you learn by screwing up Right, you completely. Can't, like anyone who gets and listen, everyone has certain amounts of anxiety, and and everyone's everyone needs to work through those things individually. However, the best way to learn to get better to grow is screwing up. And I mean, you could do we could do a whole conversation on just how many times I have screwed up <laughs> and how many times it's benefited me because it's just that's for me when you mess up. It's how you bounce back. And I always, my, my line constantly is, what's your threshold? What, mm-hmm. what, what are you willing to do? I mean, this is going from blowing a live hit to accidentally mooning Jesus. the <laughs> wife and daughter of the winner of the Daytona 500. Is that the story about about images that, that you're, you know, keeping up in No, image? no. no. But <laughs> okay. I told you, there's always more with me, Clayton. There's always. So how would one, you know, hypothetically, if it were ever to happen. Friends sit around and. Not mentioning names, but how would one moon show, you know, full cheek, both of them, to the winner, wife okay. and child of the Daytona 500. So. March 2013. This is my first road trip for TSN. And it's 150,000 people. There's the infield and it's it looks like this enormous space. Well, the winner's circle is like a fraction of that. <laughs> and so we're, as rights holders, TSN would get the chance to interview the winner. And the winner that year happened to be Jimmy Johnson. So I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. What, like, I'm prepared. Like, I, you know. I'm prepared, but I have no idea where I'm going. My my um, my ENG, which stands for uh, electronic news gathering. There we go. Just for you know our friends who have no idea what I the acronym for saying. Or if you go, I, I think funny enough, uh, going on that Arsenal TV, they use like their ENG. They like they call that something like their ENG feature yeah. or something is all the style of footage that Alex and I work on. But they call it their end feature from a game, and I'm like, guys, you lost me at Arsenal fan. This is, <laughs> anyways, United fan here. Um, back to the story. Uh, so I'm I'm in the winter circle for the day, Daytona 500. It's an exceptionally warm, humid day in South Florida, and we are. Uh, moving around the winner's circle, I have to get to Jimmy Johnson in case we have a one-on-one because it's going to be Fox, it's going to be international, then it's going to be us. So I'm moving around. There's velvet rope. There's pizza, people, sponsors, confetti, NOS, energy drink going in the air. And I duck down underneath. And it's so, and I, you can feel your pants on a sweaty day. TMI, stick <laughs> to your butt and stick to your thighs. And just then you, grab on. Then you just go underneath one velvet rope. You stand up and rip. <sighs> and you stand up. And it's kind of like, like you just cut yourself, right? You're just like, oh, that was weird. And I just, all of a sudden I feel like, 
in a day that I didn't feel the breeze, <laughs> I felt did. the breeze, and I'm just like, oh, that's 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 probably just my pants, no big deal, whatever. Yeah. Walk over, and in classic, the uh, the ENG operator Dean, who has been a mentor of mine since I started TSM. He's looking at me, he's talking to me, and I'm like, yeah, and I turn around and I point to Jimmy Johnson and he's like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, what's up? He's like, your ass is hanging out of your pants. And I'm like, what do you mean my ass is hanging out of my pants? Like just yelling it. He goes, he's like, Maddie, Maddie, turn around. And I, and I'm like, I'm like, and he's like, I can't help you, man. I can't cover that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, and he grabs the part of my fabric, which at the top of which was split. And he goes, I'm not going to touch your ass, but it starts here. And he goes, look down. And I could see by just ducking underneath that it had went from my, from my belt loop all the way down my leg and had caught part of my boxer briefs. I was going to say, I'm like, most of us wear underwear. Yeah, but no, but, 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 it, but it caught like it. Okay. So maybe full moon isn't, but yeah, it's, it, it's completely, it, I got, I got the mental image. Yeah. So all We're of good. a sudden I'm wearing nothing but a medium sized golf shirt <laughs> in the middle of the victory lane, the Daytona 500 with an extra flag now blowing in between my legs on, on your first trip on my first major trip for TSN. And now I'm like sweating and nervous and scared as fuck. <laughs> and so anyway, we're now waiting for Jimmy Johnson and my camera guy goes, okay, just, Dean says, stand by me. Don't do anything, just stand by me and we'll, we'll be, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're waiting and Jimmy's thanking his sponsors and then Jimmy's thanking Fox and Jimmy's thanking sponsors over here, mm-hmm. there, here, there, 10, 20, 50, his wife and daughter come and there. Mm. And then a Lovely rep comes up, to, comes up to us and says, Mr. Johnson, you still have an interview with Mr. Johnson one-on-one. Uh, could you do it by the player's lounge? In my head, the first words that wanted to come up out were, no, no, thank you, but, <laughs> but next time. Before I could say no, she, she had left. And so Dean looks at me and he goes, well, we're moving. So then think of me waddling mm-hmm. half a click towards the player's lounge. Now that everyone is leaving and when Daytona, everybody parks their car or trailer in the infield. Correct. So... I don't know how many people saw part of my <laughs> ass that day, but it was probably in the tens of thousands. <laughs> and so we get to the players lounge and I'm thinking, okay, there's a wall and the door where we're going to, I'm like, okay, the embarrassment is over. I can deal with this. No problem. Jimmy Johnson comes out, comes right up, shakes my hand. My butt is to the wall. He can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And then his wife and daughter come out and they stand behind me. No. So they stand. They're standing behind me. What's that? And I don't remember what I asked Jimmy Johnson. All I remember was turning around and trying to, like, you know, trying to spare them. Trying to spare them the horror. And then, and then, at the same time, you probably in your head, if you were to make eye contact with them, it's bad for you, but it's probably also worse for them. Like, they can probably put up with, oh, this is a really bad thing, honey, look away. But then if the person then tries to at all acknowledge you, then it gets weird. Then yeah. it gets creepy. It's like, I've seen your ass, sir. I have always wondered what Jimmy Johnson and his wife, what their side of the story is. It's that like, what should be our next... That should be our next project we work on. <laughs> That's our next essay, Clayton. Our next essay. It'll be Jimmy Johnson, but then in a side interview... With his wife. We can we can find the old footage oh, yeah. of you interviewing him okay. and say, do you happen to remember what else happened that day? No, it's, it's, this, this isn't a this is your life moment, Clayton. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's the, mo- that's the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you. And that wasn't the first time I'd split my pants. You thought you'd learn. I will say you wear very, very nice fitting clothing. It looks all, and I'm, I know you go, you spend a lot of time and you care a lot. But it does very much look like it's handmade. Yeah, but okay. So this is this is the this is gonna be my point about appearances. The funny thing about how I look and what people how people perceive me is when I got to TSN, and this is where I can never understand my female colleagues and what they go through because I got I went to TSN and it's funny they they looked at me and they said they took a photo they wanted me to take like a mug shot so I took a mug shot and they looked at it and they had their stylist come up for an image with for me and their image was straight lines. 
they're like, you know, close cropped hair, hot little high on the top, um, broad shoulders and straight lines, straight Mm -hmm. lines, meaning get to the gym, bud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point it was like, I wanted a job. I had just lost my job at the national post. Now all of a sudden I'm on TV for some reason, which is another transferable skills. And clearly, clearly. And, and it's funny because like, yeah, like sometimes you have to understand what your threshold is. And for me, it was like, I was willing to take on an image that they wanted for me. Like we're sitting here right now and I'm wearing Chuck. This is, this is what I dressed like when I was working for the post, which is Chuck's mm-hmm. jeans mm-hmm. and a t-shirt. And that's, that's basically, you know, what I am off camera, but on camera, like I, do I feel like I have to play a role? Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And, and so a lot of it is, you know, fitted, tailored clothing, outrageous shoes, you know, hair that's always, and that's, it's not. I don't want to come across as I'm trying to put on a front, mm-hmm. but it's sometimes there is, um, there's an image and there's, a, there's an identity that you take on when you go on, on TV and going back to the whole point about my female colleagues, like I can't imagine. And I've, and I've heard stories and, but that I have so much respect, not only for the ability, but for the patience that a lot of, uh, females go through because sometimes and I'm not speaking of TSN or Sportsnet or the score but it's across the board it's it's across the board when they want to enter entertainment or whether it's sports or anything else right and I always I always say to them that your image shouldn't be what defines you should be your work ethic but sometimes I know that's not true and um, that's why there are there are a lot of we were talking about Tessa Bonhomme and there's a there's an athlete who went on TV and learned, had to learn everything much like I did. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, tremendous respect for her and obviously Kate Ness and what she's done. And then obviously you look at over sports that Carolyn Cameron. I mean, there's, there's so many strong young female Kayla Gray, who is uh, a new anchor on, on sports center. I a big fan of KG. I, I, I always go to, and I, I've spoken to Kayla about this and I always, there's always perceptions about, and this is where I, I always get the Italian vigor and fire comes out. There's always perceptions about particularly females in our industry about how they get jobs and what they do. And to me, nothing is more infuriating because I've watched the careers of several young uh, female professionals and that's what they are in this industry. They're professionals. And I watch everything, I listen to everything, I observe everything because as like you, that's what we have to do in order to stay in the game. And I watch someone like Kayla or I watch someone like Tessa and I'm, it just makes me feel good knowing that I'm working in an industry with, with strong professionals who deal with what they deal with in terms of the image perception and have an incredible amount of execution. And, and, and Kayla I think, and I hope, and I'm sure she's going to usher in, uh, you know, a new era at TSN in terms of people on SportsCenter, like just a, a younger, because she's now the youngest person on our, and she's only 25, 26. Like she I had is, no idea. She's a baby. And, oh, <laughs> but she's, she's she, like, anyway, I could go on talking forever about Kayla and, and, and so the work ethic of, of those Kate McKenna also, who does some producing for the social, but also works with us on the CFL and TSN side. Um, so many great professionals to, 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 to learn alongside in this, in this industry because they, uh, they take the time and like you and I try to, they don't want to stand still and they're always willing to take risks and see what their threshold is. You mentioned identity a few minutes ago mm. when you were speaking about the, you know, the identity you hold on camera and, and the one right. that, that you have away from the camera. Is that in a way a comfort because you can play a role at times right. and know that, oh, it's okay because who I am is 15 feet back from that. Or is it hindrance or can you like dive between the two? It's a good question. I only recently began to appreciate the space between the two, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it was funny because I, I made a conscious decision to say, this is who I am on camera. This is who I'm going to be on camera and who I am off camera is going to be just for me and the people who are very close to me. Because the one thing about being 
on camera, on TV, and I'm not trying to come across as if like I walk down the street and have throngs of people. No, like, not no, at all. Not at all. But, 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 you know, if I get recognized, like I have to be TSN Shinetti. I have to be Shooter. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Well, like I'm okay with that because it's what I get paid to do. But I'm also cool with when the suit comes off and I put, you know, whether it's a graphic, usually Batman T on or... <laughs> Last time we went out for dinner, that's exactly what you had on was a Batman tee. Production meeting where I always wear wear (laughs) Batman tees everywhere I go. You can spot me by two things, Chucks and Batman graphic tees. Um, But that's, that's, for me, that it's not a safety net. It's not a safe place. It's just, listen, I... I don't mind being the guy who dropped a pass on live television. Another embarrassing yeah. <laughs> moment on live TV or another embarrassing moment in this job that you can have. Um, but I also know that when it's done, I put it away and I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm totally comfortable with saying this is, this is once the suit comes off and I, you know, the three P the waistcoat comes out. It's like, no, you know what? I put that away. I put the suit bag away and I hang those, those chucks up for the day. And, and I'm good with that. I don't have to pretend, keep pretending to be not pretending, but I don't have to keep being TSN Shinetti everywhere I go. You see, I, I thought that the Batman T would only come out when you put the suit on along with that really deep voice. Do you know what I used to get? Because you got to tell people I am the Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know? But do you know what the funny thing is? Do you know what? I love that I got you to do that. I believe me. We can. Don't get me started, Clayton. We can. We can go on. We a can ten, travel down that road anytime we, can, we, we want. Could, anytime. You know what I got a lot when I was a kid? People never. And I was. I've been a Batman. I'm not just like I was a Batman fan when I. No, I was. There's. I've. I've bat me with Batman tops, Batman stuff when I was like five. But everyone always called me when I was growing up because I wore glasses and had dark brown Clark hair. Kent. Clark Kent. <laughs> and nothing like, irritates no, me dang more. It. I was like, no, I am not Clark Kent. I'm Bruce Wayne. Stupid. I'm Bruce Wayne and I'm Batman. And I'm the Batman. Uh, why, uh, why did that have to happen? As much as I love the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, uh, I, do I you give, really want to go down this road? Give thing? me, not just for. I don't really want I kind of want to okay. like give me a Michael Keaton voice I like the backstories I, I like the way Nolan envisioned most of Batman uh, but Michael Keaton's my Batman if you ask the like, only problem with Michael Keaton being Batman and Tim Burton is Michael Keaton's Batman did what killed people right if we're going to split hairs Batman has only one rule He's not going to kill people. And when, as much as I love Michael Keaton, he kills a lot of people in those Tim Burton films, which just makes him... Tim Burton kills a lot of people. Oh, yeah, Tim Burton. And so it's funny when people ask me about being a Batman fan, I'm more a fan of like Batman writers than Uh I am the people who play Batman. I do like reading, you know, Joseph Loeb's Batman, Mm -hmm. Scott Snyder's Batman. I, being a writer, I mean, I love, I loved to read and, and, you know, I always, especially with, you know, graphic novels, there's just there's such a, such a great storytelling medium there. People now ask me so much about, you know, obviously being a Batman fan and, and go on about the, uh, the Batman v Superman and the, and the DC. I will say definitively, as much as I love Batman, much as I love DC, the game was over after I saw Infinity War. I know, I know we, I, I just, can't. We we talked about the actually we did. you walked me to the theater. I did. I walked I, you to I the had, theater. And we I, had a long we had a long discussion. We had about a this. long discussion as I, I went to go see. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was good. incredible. You it's can't. Good. Yep. No. no. Uh huh. I can't. We're not going to go and spoil. We're not. We don't have to go into the movie. Just if you haven't seen it for whatever wild reason, because it's been so long, just fucking shut up. Go see it. Just do it. You're writing background. Did yeah. that really help influence the essays? So first, you, you have this natural talent, I'm going to say, for reaching out to new things right. and being comfortable with the idea. I'm going to reach out, I'm going to try something different. But then you have the gift of being a writer, mm. right? And that's, that was the craft you honed for so long. Did, did that become the natural pairing for you when, when, you, when you did your very first essay, which was Peepat? Okay, so he, he, here's, here's the thing about me. I love writing. And writing, when I... Going back to this theme, we keep like, what's your threshold? When I lost my job at the National Post, it was one of the toughest, toughest times 
in my professional and personal life because like I, I had the job, well, one of the jobs I wanted and, you know, I had traveled to the Indianapolis 500 and did a feature there. And I had traveled with Canada's national rug- men's rugby team before the world cup and did a feature with them. I had traveled a whole number of places and done and written features that I never thought I would write. Like I never thought I'd be in standing in Dan Lozell's call box at the at Woodbine racetrack talking about horse racing and when you and how to call a proper race like that would and writing that stuff was just what I love to do and then it was gone and you know coming on TV and learning the identity and learning how to look a certain way talk a certain way act a certain way I always was looking for a way to get back to writing and part of my personality is if I see something that I like or someone doing something that I think I could do better, I that I become fixated on just doing that. And part of that, like I would watch the Players Tribune and some of their stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Some of their stuff though, not so great. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, you know what? I think I can do this concept better. I think I can do it inside two, two, two and a half minutes, three minutes max. I can give it a cinematic feel. I can make it feel big. So I started with little essays and talking to football players and just doing, you know, you talk to them, you write a script, you write their story, you give it to them, you do like the editing process, which is, which is interesting because you're talking to athletes who by and large, if you ever talk to many professional athletes, the one, the one maybe pervading criticism is like, they talk in cliches and or they talk in circles. So that was a great challenge to kind of try to write in someone else's voice and write succinctly and that people would care. And so when I got the chance to do a lot of those, I came up with the idea of doing like kind of a proof of concept, very cinematic, get a player, write a script and write, do a shot list of what that script was in a visual form. And I did that with Patrick Patterson and that was you know, just around these, these offices here in, in downtown Toronto. And it was great, but I thought we could do it better and do it differently. And it, the guy I worked with, I, I really like him. He's a fantastic producer, TSN, Matt Dorman. But part of doing that is finding the visual element, the written element, and kind of bringing it together. And you need to some, you need someone who, you, who matches your vision. And, you know, worked initially with Alex Anthony, as I mentioned before, and we did one with Patrick Chan, the figure skater. And it was one of the most um, satisfying experiences, just being able to, you know, bring some of the things he talked about. A lot of our pre-interview was about him on a, on a, on a wakeboard, uh, uh, sorry, him on a, a paddleboard in the middle of the ocean. That was his happy place. And this is a guy who's a champ, world champion and Olympic figure skater. And being able to put that into words and do it visually and also pair that with stuff on the ice was a challenge that I, that I absolutely was looking forward to doing. And then I did Michael Bradley. But the one that we ended up doing with DeMar DeRozan a few months ago was like it just incorporated so many elements. And talk about adaptability for that one too. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was, listen, an the, interesting challenge. Yeah. But the thing about, Anyone in the industry who's listening to this podcast needs to understand, again, your your ability to adapt. And that even comes on like a very small micro level. And the micro level being, sometimes things don't go your way. You could have a vision. You could have an idea that you want in your head and how you want to execute it. And then you're dealing with professional athletes and professional sports franchises that, whose schedules change on a dime. And the one thing for me when it came to doing with DeMar DeRozan, uh, you myself and Alex Anthony had a, had an idea and a vision in our mind that we're going to execute and a buy-in and, and a buy-in and like everything we were down the road. And then I think we can, we can talk about it now. Completely. And then Drake screwed it up. Yep. It was Drake's fault. Six God. Six God. Just, just played the devil. Played the devil. I, <laughs> the, the, the quick, the quick backstory to that is we were going to shoot DeMar DeRozan uh, outside the Air Canada Center late night, one night, get him in a really like... I want to say evocative, but a really personal, introspective moment. And then ESPN wanted to do a cover shoot with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and Drake and ended up being on one of our shoot nights. Yep. That was the only night Drake had available. And then, of course, what happens, because that's just the way life works, while we were shooting part of the essay, we ended up being stuck in an elevator with Drake. 
who looked at our did we did we tell you this? No, I didn't. Okay, this okay. Part. So the quick story is I wasn't in the elevator. Well, just so that nobody's lost, what, what we had two shoot nights then with Demar Derozan. We were going to shoot two games at the Air Canada Center, and take all the elements we need for this Demar Derozan essay plus his audio recording, his voiceover, and and then edit a piece. But of course, the night that we're actually filming, one of the nights we're filming Demar, we get into the elevator to go from one area of the court down to another. And then Aubrey Graham himself walks in with his handlers. Yeah, that looks yeah. pretty good. <laughs> and, and ends up looking at me, looking at Alex, looking at our cameras and saying, so what's this for? And we're like, oh, it's for an essay on DeMar. And he's like, where's it showing? TSN? Oh, what's it on? And we're explaining the concept. And he looks at his handler, looks at us, looks at the cameras. He goes, all right. And walks away. And in my head th- saying, you're the guy. You're you, Drake. You're the guy. But it ended up being. It ended up being. I mean, I don't think I would have ever imagined. And this is going back to adaptability that I'd be driving my car in the QEW with you in my back seat, taking traction <laughs> tracking shots at Demar Derozan driving his Porsche with Alex in the passenger with seat. With Alex in the passenger seat. Yeah. Which, when we talk about an introspective Demar Derozan, yeah. your ability on a dime. To, to know what you, what new direction you wanted to go right. and then to ask and sell the team because you always have to sell the team right. on the idea. When we talk about it, introspective, what better time is it than when the player is driving to the game with all of his thoughts in his mind dealing with Toronto traffic? And that's exactly where we got to Mar. Right. And we thought maybe it's going to be in the morning, you know, when he's going to shoot around. Maybe it's actually going to be on another day when he's going to the BioSteel Center. But they gave us before the game, the game we're shooting him in, and you get those moments when DeMar is in his own head. And I always operate in kind of the team concept. And if we as a team didn't and weren't willing to adapt and understand, okay, our threshold has changed, then we wouldn't have got that moment. Now, bearing in mind, obviously, that DeMar didn't necessarily have a great playoff run and that, you know, but it didn't but ruin okay. our essay. And, and honestly, I don't think it ruins the story. And not, it doesn't it at all. It doesn't because if there's nothing... I've learned from sports, it's not that everyone has a journey they go on. Everyone has uh, everyone has great nights. Everyone has terrible nights. Everyone has games in which they drop a pass on the sideline or they split their pants. Thanks, thanks and, or just They just wish they could do it over again. And I think that a lot of what makes players so powerful is that... Yeah, we get to see their highlights. Mm. We get to remember the highlights of their career, but we get to live through their tough nights. And when you are a fan of a city or for a team or of a player or whatever, you are not just pulling for the win. You're also pulling for them to get out of a bad spot. Right. Like you want to be there. You want to you want to be part of that motivating force that pulls them out because we believe there's this connection that exists and often does exist between the fan base and the player on the pitch. And and for me, what better story than than Toronto FC and and their ability to to go from league worst or as put it by one player, worst in the world, and then to climb up and and to see the swell of support and in a way I don't. You don't pull them out because the management had a lot to do with it. The coaching had a lot to do with it. The talent of the players have a lot to do with it. But to see that relationship build with success looming mm. and then becoming a reality is incredible. And I do want to talk about moments Ooh, because moments. there are tough moments where I call a player by the wrong name. And there are great moments that we are fortunate enough to witness. And right. sometimes we realize it on the day, and sometimes it's not until the suit comes off or my camera goes down right. that you truly get to appreciate that we were there for something incredible. What are some of your favorite moments, snapshots, Ooh. that you are thankful to be a part of? I got a chance to cover the Olympics this past February. And the one thing about the Olympics that we don't understand from afar is how much it means to the people who have worked their balls off. And I mean it not in the literal way, but in the figurative way, who have worked so hard to get to that moment that only happens every four years. And 
you know, I have a, I have a handful of moments that meant so much to me. Some that will be personally for me, with me forever, but professionally, you know, you can, you can take a look at the ones where you almost not starstruck necessarily, but I think back to Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore winning the gold in the free dance and being in there and watching them skate and they, their whole set was from Moulin Rouge. And then obviously the media kind of played up the fact that it was the song Roxanne. And as soon as, um, you know, the, I'm not even gonna try to imitate Ewan McGregor singing Roxanne. Um, but when that note hits and he just screams Roxanne, like to feel an entire building shake and it was like shaking and watching it, you're just like, it's not often that you realize in this business that you're watching the greatest ever to perform in their sport. And it's just like, you're watching it going and it almost like brings tears to your eyes, not in like an emotional, like, but you're just like, wow. And it's like, that's that this is the greatest moments ever. But a moment that hit me was the moment the Canadian women's hockey team lost. And I was speaking to Marie Philippe Poulain and we were doing an interview for sports center. And I know you talk about, you talk about good moments, but sometimes in this business, when you get a genuine moment, when you get a moment that like means something, and I'm very much about those moments. I'm, I'm looking, I love raw emotion. And the question I asked Marie Philippe was, how proud are you of your teammates today? And she looked at me and it's like the second or third question. And, and she looked down and she blinked and she started crying. And for me, that moment meant something, not because I was being a homer, not because I was particularly disappointed that they lost, but because in that moment, the fact that her C was on her jersey, the fact that she was a high-performance athlete, a professional in her own way, was gone. She was just someone who had given everything she could. Remember, the woman lost in a shootout, had given everything she could, and it wasn't enough. And she wore it. And she felt so much genuine emotion for her, for her teammates and to be there and talking to her. And I saw her later on and and talked to her about that moment. But for me, it was one of those things where like this business gives you those moments. And it's, it's one of the things like, I'm not like, I'm, I, I, I'm not one. Well, I guess I am because we all love to succeed in this you know, and, and being on the sidelines for the Great Cup, which is watched by 10 million people in this country is, is great, but I'm more the one-to-one moments. And watching Marie-Philippe Poulain cry as I was asking that question and cry as she was answering, and not because she was disappointed so much that she lost, but that she felt she let her team down, even though she didn't, was just one of those moments where it's like you go back later and you're like, that hit me where I live, man. I just like, it sits right there with you. And then you have the joys, you know, you see Mikhail Kingsbury win a gold and you see, um, you see other athletes be successful, but those moments, the disappointing moments, the moments where the raw emotion comes out, uh, you just feel so fortunate to be in this job because you realize at the end of the day, what we're really doing with athletes is when we're doing it right, we're telling their stories and you tell them in a different way. And it's not necessarily writing. It's not necessarily on camera. It's not necessarily maybe an essay form. Sometimes it's whatever way you can. And when you can get those raw moments, I think you're doing a good job. Matt, I think you do a great job. I'm a big fan of yours. I wasn't at first, and I'm not afraid to say it. And I had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, I think, early last year. I think it was actually Argo's Home Open last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I watched more and more and more and more and I followed and I realized the Patrick Patterson thing was yours and I have truly, truly grown to admire you. I have to know why you weren't a fan of mine to begin with because you're not, this is not the first thing. People, because you know what the thing is and this is I'm probably running over time but you know what I love is that people, when they see me, mm-hmm. when they see me and they don't talk to me and they see me and this is nothing I take personally, it just fascinates me. People, when they see me initially and they see the suits and they see the chucks mm-hmm. and they see how I kind of walk in like head up, shoulders out kind of thing, people think I'm an asshole. I didn't think you're an <laughs> asshole. I wouldn't say that, but I completely, completely uh, relate to the idea of having to play a role yeah. on television. Yeah. And I didn't like the role of the guy. I just, it, it was... A tad too loud for me. I'm, if that I, makes sense. Loud? A, a no, I've too, never. I have a, never, never ever been confused for loud before, Clayton. A tad too loud, 
And then I had to wake up and I was like, oh yeah, you dumb fucking dummy. Dumb dummy. That that's, does, that's, you take out the F word and it just doesn't work. Come on, you dumb dummy. <laughs> you know this is how it goes. There are people and we go out there and we do the best job we can in kind of in between the lines that we get to do it in and that's yeah. the role we play. Right. And it has it doesn't mean we aren't great at our job. It just means that's the person we're being. And you were extremely kind to me. Uh, I think actually what you did was you gave me the heads up so I didn't get fucking smoked on the sideline of an Argos game. And then I kind of like, thank you very much. And, you know, you shuffle back and I shuffle remember over. That. I remember that. And, you know, you're like, oh, man, he was a really nice guy. And and as we do, it's not that you, it's not that you do research on someone, but someone stands out and you keep tabs on them. As things go along sure, yeah. and as the year goes on and as different things go on. And then I realized you were associated with the, uh, that you had done the Patrick Patterson piece and that you did do the Michael Bradley piece. Then, and then I, I realized, and I don't know if you told me or someone told me your, your TFC connection from the CBC days. Yes. It's a and, long time ago. And I, I am I am a big fan. I'm a massive fan of you, and I enjoy the moments we get to talk. Whether we are going over a script uh, for for Demar and Derozan, getting very drunk, and getting very drunk, <laughs> uh, trying to that's how we visualize things, folks. We just do shots until we don't visualize yeah, well, anything. That, 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 that's where you we, you had the amazing idea of trying to shoot everything in a different time, like temporal way, when we were in the bag. At, one thirty in the morning <laughs> on a Tuesday. Thank you to the Nolan. Isn't that Jonathan and Christopher Nolan? Actually, yeah, that they did- do the whole circular thing. It's like they do the loop thing, and yeah. they're like, yeah, put a event here, 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 here. Yeah. And those, those are my favorite moments. Is when for me, as much as the the sports moments are incredible, when I get the chance to truly meet minds with someone, mm. whether an athlete or or otherwise, or you know, we're sitting around having drinks and wings and and trying to really come up with an idea when I'm able, when I realize that the people at the table and people around me are on the same wavelength, right. those are my huge wins. And those are my favorite moments. Yeah, so I totally agree, buddy. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for including me on this wild stinking journey you're on, including the essays uh, that you do. I feel very privileged. No, you, you know what? Uh, here's the thing. I always feel myself very fortunate to work with people. It's never about me I, I hate to be like cliche but it's, it's not never, about me folks even though people recognize me on the street but it's, no it's, no, it's not, not about, about me. me it's about we <laughs> it's about we Clayton and I I admire your work I think it's and I, and I don't mean that in like a, oh I like I admire it because much like Alex Anthony and, and a few other people I always connect best with people who put emotion into what they're doing and there's conviction there. So I appreciate you letting me ramble. Uh, Please come back. Ramble again. I will. I will part two. I I have, I have, I have stories upon stories upon stories I could constantly share. So I look forward to it. We, I like to end things because the root of this podcast, the reason why I started it was I believe that big change comes about in life with a series of small changes Mm -hmm. And so very, very simply, I like to I like to finish things off by reminding everyone to be good to themselves and eat their vegetables. So with that in mind, a big thank you from me, from Dylan, obviously, Luca, Dylan, who, who cuts the podcast. He gets to go through all this beautiful stuff. <laughs> He's got a lot to <laughs> bring it down to an hour. Everyone, please, please, please be good to yourself. Eat your vegetables. You got the line. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, good, yeah, job. Congrats. Good, good job. Good job. You hit it. Good Did job. you memorize that one? No. No. <laughs> <laughs>